City beat City at the King Power, but it was the wrong City who won. Can the Foxes bounce back against in-form hammers? Leicester City women win the championship, they're in the big time. In association with footballkitmarket.com, it's for Fox sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and alongside me is the birthday boy Rob Hayes. Happy birthday. Thank you very much. Yes, a couple of days ago, my second lockdown birthday, therefore neither of the last two count, so I am 29 again. Thank you very much for your wishes. Yes, mine in a few weeks, and I we will we'll kind of will still be in a lockdown uh, scenario, kind of, although hopefully the, the, the pubs will be open, what, this coming Monday, apparently. Uh, not that I've written it on the wall in paint in massive letters. Oh, no, I have. Yes. Uh, anyway... Um, by then, Leicester hopefully would have beaten West Ham in their game coming up this weekend. We have things to talk about, Rob. Things like Leicester losing against Manchester City. Not unexpected. And how that might affect them going forward in any way, shape or form. Or will it? Um, and then also the form of other clubs in this race for the top four. As I think now... You can label it as that. I think now, after the defeat to Man City, it is now the race for top four. That's what the the end of season uh, has now turned into because of the unbelievably outside possibility of possibly catching, etc. But uh, once they've been ruled out, which they have, uh, we're now fully on the grid in a very, very handy qualifying position for the race to the top four. Um so we've got that. So we've got uh, the West Ham win last night and possible injury problems with them coming forward, etc. And a discussion in the wider world of football and sport because we are slap bang, Rob, in the middle of, I'd say, arguably the best sporting week of the year. I am, I'm sat here in for Fox 8 HQ. If you can hear in the background, by the way, the, the washing machine's on. I ain't being funny. It was badly timed by me, but there we go. That will disappear in about 10 minutes' time. Ignore that. Um, I've got Grand National form to the right. I've got to the left the big screen with Rory McIlroy on the range live at Augusta National for the Masters. So it, it, what a great week we have. And the big one being Leicester away at the London Stadium against West Ham, possibly depleted with no Antonio. Who knows whether Lingard will play isn't he the best player in the world at the moment, probably? Uh, oh, actually, no, second to Clecci and Nacho, obviously. And, uh, but first, Rob, we need to talk about the small matter of losing against Man City in a... And I'll just kind of kick-start with saying it kind of... We, we, we all thought, really, we're going to lose. OK, let's face it. Um, but by the looks of things, no one's injured. Um, by the looks of things, well, overall, it wasn't a mauling. Um, 
it wasn't the greatest game in the world from Leicester point of view, but it was just kind of, once they'd finished, it was instantly forgettable. And I've tried to, I've looked back on little notes and bits and bobs about the game. And it really is a forgettable game, which if it's forgettable for us as supporters, now whether that's just me, correct me if I'm wrong, but if it's forgettable for us, then hopefully it's forgettable for the players. And I think it will be. I think you're right. And that's the the kind of message that Brendan Rodgers had in his post-match interviews, wasn't it? That, you know, in 24 hours time, that will be completely out of the players' mind, that, that defeat to Manchester City, and it will be eyes on the next game. And, you know, managers and players use that cliche all the time. Yeah, take it one game at a time. We've got to look forward to the next game. But really, there's no better way to move on from this than to do exactly that. I think it was... that There were there were just some subtleties that were slightly different Um in this game when compared to the reverse fixture, which I don't think any of us even dared to dream would be uh, repeated twice in a season. It was it was expected in many or most people's opinions that we would not be able to get a win uh, out of Manchester City this weekend, and so it proved. They're in ridiculous form. They are the form team probably in the world. I haven't checked every division's form team, but form uh, tables, but they are in imperious form, going for a ridiculous quadruple and for us to be able to to win twice against them in a season would have, would have been absolutely remarkable. I think the, the, the main little differences are that, firstly, Manchester City are in better form now than they were when we played them earlier in the season. That's a fact. Um, I think we set up in a similar way to not concede, particularly um, in the first half, and we didn't. You can say what you like about the amount of possession we conceded or the fact that we were very deep, but that was obviously a conscious effort. But I think the the main difference from our point of view was that we didn't use the ball well enough when we eventually retrieved it. Uh, And that was the difference, really. How many times did we win the ball back against Manchester City in the reverse fixture and play an early, accurate, precise forward pass that got them on the back foot and put us into an opportunity to to attack their box. Loads. How many times did that happen at the weekend? Not very many. So I think they were the two main differences. And, and against a team like Manchester City, if you're going to sit and soak up the pressure, the form that they're in, you're not going to be able to keep them out for 90 minutes. That would be a remarkable achievement. And if you're not using the ball well enough yourself and you're not getting forward to cause them some problems, you're going to lose the game. And that's exactly what happened. But we are now, what, Tuesday afternoon. The game happened a good few days ago. We're going to talk about it, obviously, but it is forgotten and all eyes are on now on this weekend. And I think you're absolutely right. It's going to be exactly the same for the players and the staff. Yeah, I've got no problem with the way Leicester played in terms of their setup, in terms of their game plan. It was frustrating, and it always will be, when your side is pegged back, even if you're playing against, as you said, the best team in Europe, which we'll we'll find out over the coming weeks whether they eventually, and I think they will do it this year, win the uh, the Champions League. And it is frustrating, even if you're playing, even if you're playing a, a higher league opposition in the FA Cup, for example, and your team is being pegged back by that higher team. It, that's still frustrating. It always will be. 
So I understand some people bemoaning the fact that we didn't touch the ball for for long amounts of time and we didn't have possession, etc., etc. But if you look at the overall first half, in fact, you look at the first, say, hour, up until their first goal, we had the better chances. I know they had a goal disallowed for offside, uh, for, for offside with um, Aguero, but then we had a goal disallowed for offside with Vardy, and, and I had a good two seconds of thinking that was actually going to stand. And then in the start of the second half, we had that great counter-attack where... Uh, Inacho played through for uh, Yuri Tillemans, great block by by Diaz, and and there was a couple of chances there, and and, it, and you thought, well, hang on, like we've sat back and we've soaked up all the pressure, we've withstood the the Manchester City dominance by um, very good organised defending, uh, individual displays were were good. I don't think you can really say there was absolutely exceptional. I thought indeed he played well in midfield, but. Overall, I think it was just a very good organised display by the back line, which going forward, I think, is what you want to see with a back three. We know that Soyuncu wasn't there. Uh, we'll come on to that uh, in the next few minutes as well. But it was, it almost kind of played into, into Leicester's hands then because then we had the better chances and you're thinking, well, hang on, it's going to happen again here. If we get in front, then who knows what could happen. And then, of course, Manchester City score and that narrative of... We've had the better chances. We could uh, take a 1-0 lead here and then we could go on and possibly win the game. What a great result that would be. All hail, everything Leicester. But then, of course, then Man City go and score. And as soon as they score the first goal, you go, right, game over. And you then look back at the way Leicester played and go, well, hmm, shouldn't we maybe have done this, shouldn't we have done that? I just don't think that's the case. I really don't. I thought they were very good. And the one thing, I was talking yesterday to a mate, a big Leicester fan, and I was talking about, um, he actually said to me, he says, how can Leicester um, try and close the gap on Manchester City? Which is a, a something which overall is an aim, but just in this kind of context, because we've just played them, it, it is an interesting scenario to talk about. And, and I said, the, the one thing that Leicester lacked, first of all, it was certainly James Madison because when the ball was played forward, you've got uh, you got Iheanacho and you got Vardy. Uh, the ball can and also with Iheanacho, by the way, the, I thought he played quite well. The, the ball stuck with him; he, he it wasn't bouncing off him uh, left, right, and centre. So that improvement we've seen on that side of his game over recent games um, has has stuck against the best side in the league, which was nice. It was nice to see that. A, a, few good passes as well. Um, but Perez, even though he's been playing well, um, and I and I've, I've reiterate what I've said before, um, I think Isaac Perez in that position or even then further forward behind Vardy is a very acceptable player. Good player and that's about it. As soon as you get then against the top, say, six clubs, that's when his... Lack of quality compared to James Madison shows. Madison comes on the field and um, you instantly saw that he was a better player. He was he looked sharper. He could control the ball and hold the ball up better than Perez. And he always will be able to do that. And that's part of the game which I think Leicester will need to, to work on or look to improve. And I think that can only be done with a signing. And whoever is signed... 
as not centre forward, but as an attacking player, I've I still think it would be great if they signed, especially for a European campaign, a um, an older forward who's played at a high level. And I'm talking it could be in early thirties. Do you know what I mean? Um, who 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 might who's not going to play every week? At Pedro signing for Chelsea. Um, would be ideal. Someone along them lines, okay? Maybe not to that sort of level, but someone who can control the ball. When the ball gets passed forward with Manchester City, um, their forwards or their attacking forward-thinking midfielders, they do not lose possession, okay? Yes, they can turn around and pass it back, but even if they're running forwards or diagonally or sideways, they do not lose the ball. And I think if you look towards our forward line, um, and then you throw Harvey Barnes in, especially into this conversation. They're different type of players: Vardy, Barnes, um, Iheanacho. They're not going to retain the ball in and around the opposition penalty area. Against weaker sides in the Premier League, we can do that, and we have done that. We will dominate the ball, and we will dominate the ball in the opposition half as well because we're a good side. But I think if we're looking to just go to that next level, that sort of player, I'd love Leicester to sign. Um, first of all, as well, um, Madison came on the pitch. Something's happened there because uh, whether it's because of what happened in the previous game where he came off the bench and then scored a fantastic goal to almost rub their noses in it and whether there was a few words, but he came off the bench and he was targeted by Man City players, no doubt about it. Fernandinho, um, I thought the referee was, at, at the start, I thought he was being um, quite good in letting the game go, but then all of a sudden he needed to get a grip on the game and I don't think he did. Um, and it was really easy to see that he was being targeted by their players. So I think something's happened there and they went out to kick him and they went out to injure him. And it, it was obvious to me, it was obvious to him and to a number of the players on the Leicester side. And um, I'm, I'm, I'm not entirely sure what's happened there, but y you know, if someone tells me that there was no problems and it was just football incident, nah, that ain't washing with me. They went out to target um, Madison when the game was already won, game was over. So I'm not too sure what happened there. But um, I would expect Madison to start against West Ham, but that's, that's the improvement. So overall, I will look at it and go, I don't blame Leicester for the way they played. I don't blame Leicester and I don't think they should have gone with a different um, attitude because it very nearly rewarded us with a lead either just going into half time or just after half time. We could have easily been in front and then it's a different game. As it was, it didn't work out and we do move on, but um, hats off to them. Very good side, but uh, I'd, I'd be interested to find out what... Um, because I think with someone like Madison, you could ask him a question and he will give you a straightforward answer and more than likely say, no, everything's fine, and then probably give a bit of a smile. And that's to say, yeah, there probably was something behind the scenes, but because he's not said anything out loud, you know, you, you kind of look through it. But uh, yeah, that's... Uh, that's my but do you, what did you reckon about Madison's cameo regardless of the reasons for it even if there is no reason other than the fact that he he is a very good um creative attacking midfielder it's high praise isn't it for him and for the quality that he possesses that the champions elect Manchester City spot this fella coming on and think all right we're going to need to get into him early doors yeah you could say the game's already won but he he proved, albeit in a when he scored that um, that 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 goal from outside the penalty area in the reverse fixture, he's proved that he can 
pull the strings and create moments of magic like that. And who's to say that he wouldn't have done it and made things a little bit hairier for Manchester City towards the end of the game. So it might just have been a, a tactical thing. It might even be something a little bit more sinister. He's been out with um, a, a fairly unspecified complaint, really. We know it's around an, an old sort of hip area injury, but it's not been fully disclosed exactly what it is and and exactly what kind of recovery process he's had to go through. But maybe they just wanted to leave a couple on him. Maybe they thought he's going to be a little bit uh, wary of the fact that he's not played a lot of football recently and that that hip could flare up at any time. So they just thought they'd stick a couple on him. Who knows? But it, it is, it's high praise for him because you're absolutely right. He, him being fit alongside Barnes and Vardy, um, and 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 an informia nacho gives you a much more likelihood, and it sounds very straightforward, but it gives you a much better chance of one of those attacks or one of those forward moves being finished off, and there being a different outcome from the game. Because I totally agree with you, the game plan for this game against Manchester City was absolutely right. Because in many ways, it was exactly the same as the game plan for the previous fixture. And look how that worked out. And and again, you said it there, if, if Leicester score first, possibly a different game. But you could say that about every football match that's going. It, it, it matters who puts the ball in the back of the net at more times than the opposition, to, to put it very straightforwardly. Uh, Leicester didn't. Manchester City did, and and there's the difference. But yeah, Perez is exactly what we bought, really. We spent a reasonable amount of money on him, but an amount of money that you wouldn't really blink at in today's Premier League transfer fees um, for a competent, a good Premier League player. And I would concur with your thoughts there that, it, that a central attacking role that's not the main focal point of the attack is his strongest position. But it's his strongest position in terms of him being a probably mid to upper mid table Premier League player. Whereas James Madison has a, that little bit more about him. And those subtle differences in player quality are the reason why there is a gap between Manchester City at the moment and absolutely everybody else. But if we're talking from a Leicester point of view, that's the reason for the gap there between Manchester City and Leicester City is the fact that our squad rotation, which was forced because of the injury to Madison um, and the unavailability of Suyun Chusei, means that we call upon players like Perez, mid-table Premier League player, Amati, sometimes mid-table Premier League player, sometimes doesn't look like he belongs there, um, coming in for Suyun Chusei. So, you know, it's, the, it's those differences and it comes down to quality of player throughout the squad, I think, and that, and that's that, really. Um, we hit them in a bad patch of form last earlier on in the season, did a number on them with our quality players. This time we had a few players missing. They're in great form. The better team won the game. End of. Yeah, and, and, and the three-word reviews echo really what we've said. Take the positives. Uh, we've got uh, Chelsea, well, Chelsea lost, beaten by champions, men against boys. Um and one on aggregate, which overall we did, didn't we? You know, if, if that's the way you want to look at football, which when it works out that way is not the worst way to look at football, won't define the season as well, which um, and not our day. I think won't define the season. I do like that one uh, as as kind of an overriding look at, at the game. And and we move on. We, we move on with looking at 
the team selected, I don't think there was any surprise. Um, Ricardo coming off the bench for um, for Albrighton, who was doing basically. I, I think with Albrighton, we know he can play in that position, but I, I was I thought he played very well. But I think he played, played very well because the weakness in his game will obviously be the defending, and yet that was literally what he had to do the whole game. So as even though Ricardo is a a winger turned fullback, he is still technically a fullback in position. Uh, we know he excels going forward, and yet they decided to go with the 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 winger first in a, in a defensive position. If you know what I mean, you know you've got a defender and you've got a midfielder, Ricardo Albright, and they've gone with a midfielder rather than a defender because of his defensive work. Um, I don't think. Uh, Going forward, that'll remain. I think Ricardo will be back in the side. I think he might well be back in the side uh, this coming week against West Ham. Um, Soyuncu, that is a problem. That is a problem. He's in Turkey still. Uh, for, for all that we know, he's in Turkey still. I don't think anything's been overridingly confirmed by anyone, but um, there's obviously been some COVID issues with Turkey who are in great form. And if you're looking for a bit of an outside bet for the Euros... I don't think you can go a lot further wrong than Turkey because we know they've got a really good defence, but they've they've had some tremendous results over the last uh, year, 18 months or so, and they continue in that form. But obvious problems with COVID. And the first reports were that uh, Soyuncu were, uh, was back in the UK but wasn't going to be included because he has to quarantine. Then it turns out he's actually still in Turkey and he's... Again, in quarantine. Then it turned out, and there was reports. Uh, Jason Bourne, formerly of Radio Leicester, now with Talksport, one of the uh, the well, the football producer there, I think, down at uh, at Talksport. He tweeted that Soyuncu actually has COVID. So overall, when this was announced, it was he's not playing against Manchester City. He's going to miss West Ham, and fingers crossed, he'll be back for the FA Cup semi final. Um, now. I have no idea what the situation is officially. Um, I don't think anyone really does. I think it's just a case of you put a line through his name for West Ham and move on. But hopefully um, he doesn't, if he does have COVID, have any long-term effects. Hopefully it is a case of one of those players who goes through the 10 days and he's back. And if he's back because he's played an awful lot of football in the last, well, since since his full return to the side, he's played Every game, pretty much, and also all the games of Turkey. Uh, I don't think there's any problem with him needing some game time before he starts. He'll come straight back into the side. Let's say he's okay for the FA Cup semi-final. But until then, you just got to put a line through him and it will be Armati if they're going to play with a back three, which I can't see any reason why they will not. But uh, yeah, fairly fairly worrying. But uh, hopefully it's it's a case of just being quarantined and everything's fine. Yeah, just get through the time period. Fingers crossed. If if it is a positive test, then fingers crossed it's just one of those asymptomatic ones, doesn't feel any effect of it, just came up on a test and and he's just got to sit inside a room for 10 days. As you say, he, he comes straight back into the side for the FA Cup semi-final, no problem with that whatsoever. Um, you just do hope, though, that it isn't a more long-term issue because you look at a team, I think the most... The team that's suffered the most from uh, COVID symptoms really has been Newcastle, hasn't it? With And we talked about this previously. Lascelles and St. Maximan missed huge periods of their season. 
two big players, the captain and, and basically the only player who ever looks like he's going to create or score a goal for them, both out at the same time um, for a long period of time. So Touchwood, fingers crossed, soon she comes back because I think, although Amati's fine, it would it would make Brendan Rodgers less confident in playing three centre-backs and wing-backs. It seems at the moment that this is his preferred formation, yeah, and it what it does is it enables the two-man strike partnership of Vardy, Ine and Acho, which has um, reaped its rewards over the last month or month and a half or so. But if Soyuncu is a sort of more medium to long-term absentee, then really do you look at the the, pay, the players on paper and say, actually, if I was building my strongest eleven with no question over formation, Daniel Amati wouldn't be in it. So do we remove him, go back to a four? We've played with four at the back for plenty of this season. So I don't think it provide that much of an issue, depending on the opponent. But it is one certainly to keep an eye on. Fingers crossed, touch wood, everything's absolutely fine and he's back sooner rather than later. But if not, it does pose an interesting question as to whether Daniel Amati... An Amati in a back three, is that better or worse than having Amati out and playing the back four, which seems to be the slightly less favoured formation at the moment. But that's a that's a question for a few weeks down the line once we have a clearer picture. Yeah, I, I can't see any reason why they're going to change. Amati can play the right side of a back three absolutely fine. Uh, you'd imagine it would be his one of his ideal positions, along with being a, a genuine centre-half in the back four. And I just think there's no problem with changing it at all, or no reason to change it, should I say, because of the whole Kalechi factor up front as well with no Barnes. Um, so I don't think anything's going to change. Um, I look forward to the game on Sunday. Um, and uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting game. Sorry, I just got a message through actually about something to do with Leicester. Just as I'm starting to talk, I'll read that when because um, it looks like a little bit of possible transfer rumour um, just coming through. But uh, there we go. Um so we look at the game against West Ham. Now, West Ham, fourth place. They're four points behind Leicester. Okay, so Leicester, 56 points. Uh, played 30. So there are, what, eight games remaining of the Premier League season. And we are inside the top four by uh, five points. Chelsea, after their real blip against West Brom. Tottenham then further back. Their slip up against Newcastle. Liverpool, looking back to the Liverpool that uh, that we know. Scoring goals again at 49 points. Uh, but West Ham playing really well. Great win last night. Lingard just on fire, essentially. And um, and Antonio as well. Now, Antonio does have a hamstring made of biscuits. So when he goes off with a hamstring issue, or when that's been reported after the game, from a Leicester point of view, that's great news. Lingard apparently had a knock as well, but I think would be fine. There was no problem with um, his interview after. It wasn't even mentioned, in fact. So this is going to be a very difficult game against a ultra-informed side. And a side who scores goals, um, who's got one of, if not the informed player in the Premier League uh, at the moment in Lingard, obviously Kelechi being player of the month last month, uh, has that accolade. But Lingard, after... 
the last game because football moves from game to game and uh, and he's now probably taken over that mantle. If you had to put num- someone at number one, it probably would be him. And if Leicester go to the London Stadium and win, it will be an amazing result looking at then the next couple of games in the Premier League after that, which are uh, relatively uh, better games on paper to pick up big points at home uh, compared to Manchester City and West Ham. If we go to West Ham and get a point, I think that's a good result. In the whole context of the season, I think that'll be a good result. Uh, I still think West Ham will not be there at the end of the season in the top four. I think they're not going to drop away as maybe quickly as I thought a few weeks ago. I just don't think you can ignore with so little games remaining an informed side. And also a side who scores goals. They they score a lot of goals. Uh, if Antonio is out for a while, uh, we know Declan Rice is out for, what, six weeks or so, which has bigger issues regarding England going further forward. Uh, that's obviously a boost for Leicester. But I would be happy with a point... I am in no doubt at all, no doubt at all, that we can go down and get three points. Um, do I think they will? I think they will. I think that I, I'm confident about this game. Uh, and why not? I think from the position that we're in, you're playing against the side who you've got to look behind them. And you look at Chelsea and Liverpool. And you've got to fancy them putting together a decent run before the end of the season and going above the hammers. So... When you look at this game against West Ham, is it against an absolutely stone-cold direct race for the top four competitor? Yes. But is it against that kind of, and just a bit of a Formula 1 scenario here, is it against that kind of unexpected car on the front couple of rows of the grid who have just had a really good qualifying session? It rained halfway through the session and they managed to get their quick lap in before the rain appeared. And you're looking around on the grid going, what are you doing here? Uh, Yes, you've done well and you're you're doing very well, but when it comes to the crunch, you're probably just going to drop away. That's what I think West Ham will be. So if it all goes horribly wrong and we don't get anything against West Ham, it's not the worst thing that's ever going to happen this season. But I'm confident, Rob. I am confident. I'm pleased that you're confident because West Ham are having an unbelievable season. Uh, At the start of the season, you would absolutely have labelled them mid-table at best. David Moyes would come in, probably steady things enough for them to not be in any danger of relegation, but absolutely nowhere near looking up the table like they're going to be in the mix for anything. I'm of a similar opinion to you. I think... They are going to just slide out of the race, possibly even within the next few games, depending on how well they deal with um, the absence of Rice and the expected absence of Mikel Antonio. You know, then who's holding your midfield together and who's scoring your goals? Yes, players might be able to sort of make up that, that deficit for a game or two, but are they going to be able to sustain that for the running at the end of the Premier League season? Probably not. Would they have been able to anyway, with with even with those players in the squad? I would I would suggest maybe not, because you'd expect that Liverpool can can push things on a little bit further and, and find that extra gear that we know that they've got and put together a run of results that gets them in with a real shout of top four this season. 
Chelsea's wobble against West Bromwich Albion was very unexpected, but in the same breath, hilarious. You'd be hilarious, yeah. But in the yeah, same I, I'd breath, you'd, for the you'd, entire ninety minutes. You, well, <laughs> you, but you'd expect that Thomas Tuchel will not accept um, conceding five goals in that manner, in in the way that he's conducted himself so far at, at Chelsea in terms of the fact that they've very rarely conceded a goal since he took charge. I think they'll shut up shop again. Um, they've become slightly more expansive under him in recent weeks before the international break. But when he first came in, you were looking at it. They were winning one nils. There was, a, I think there might have been even one or two nil nils. It was all about keeping the clean sheet and shoring things up because Lampard's Chelsea shipped goals for fun. So I think they'll go straight back to those principles and become difficult to beat again. So they're going to still be in the mix. Of course they are. Um, and then there's obviously us, and I I can't I think there's too much negativity around Spurs for them to be um, worried about too much in terms of a, a top four competitor. So it's so it's really for me between Leicester, Chelsea, and Liverpool for out of those three teams for two places, isn't it? Third and fourth. West Ham looking down the league table. I think they are fairly good for securing top eight and that would be a really positive season for them so for us to right now they are of course the the most direct competitor for a top four place looking up obviously there's Manchester United four points ahead of us but a, a result against West Ham whether it be a draw or a win at the weekend make sure that there is still some kind of buffer between us and everybody else if that's a draw then you keep the four point gap towards um to west ham uh, and then if chelsea win you've still got a three point cushion over them if you beat west ham you then open up a seven point advantage over them and you maintain if chelsea win your five point gap over them and i think i, I know that the only time that the points gap matters is at the final whistle of the last game of the season but in terms of mentality, in terms of pressure, in terms of just having the points on the board, the more comfortable that gap is now, the better for the running for the season. And and that can absolutely start at the weekend against West Ham to to extend or at least maintain that cushion. Yeah, it's a stadium which, because of its design and because of the fact that the seats are so far away from the edge of the playing surface etc it's it, it really has that um that feel like uh say you see on tv like roma um stadio olimpico etc those, those, those huge bowl let's face it athletic stadiums that's what this was uh, it, it lends itself also the old wembley when you had the the greyhound track etc you always associate those grounds with being a big pitch now, whether in terms of actual measurement it's as big as the King Power or, or as big as, say, Craven Cottage, which you would maybe label as maybe a narrow pitch or a smaller pitch. But it gives you that impression. So you look at then Leicester, you look at Vardy, you look at the way that we play, and you, it, it, they look like a, a decent team to get at West Ham for this Leicester side or for a Leicester side. I know we're not exactly playing the counter-attacking football that we have done over the last few years, but and also we're missing arguably our you know one of our quickest players with with no Harvey Barnes. But uh, I I just get 
when you look at this matchup, um, if Leicester really kind of get a foothold in the game early, then then we we would have a very good chance of getting a very positive result. Mainly because of the the way that West Ham play their last few games. Some crazy stuff. You look at the Arsenal game, uh, the game last night as time of recording against Wolves. They start and they have done in in recent weeks and games very well. They've obviously got that bit between their teeth of and and David Moyes on his on his interviews after the game. They asked him about the top four and he's there going, "Why not? Why not? You know, this is a proper out of the blue kind of top four push." And they've got that mentality of, "Why not? We're going to go for it." We're really going to go for it. I think they made a, an error. Was it against Manchester United when they they were quite defensive? And I think they really changed their their kind of mind since then and, and and kind of gone sod it. Let's just go for it. And the way that they've played and the results and the way those results have come about recently have just played into that scenario. So you would have to just looking at the the sheer form expect a very quick West Ham start. So if Leicester can either weather that wave of attack and attack in the first 15-20 minutes and then get a foothold in the game or as I would like Leicester to and that's to kind to take the game to them which you always want your side to do but against a West Ham side with a weaker midfield with hopefully no Antonio up top they might try and kind of go again in what they've they've, they've done in the last few weeks but not have the players on the field to actually do that. And they might get caught out. That's what I'm hoping. They go for it maybe a bit too much. And Leicester all of a sudden find themselves in a lot of space, a lot more space than you would maybe imagine in a, a big pitch London stadium scenario in my head anyway. And I'm just thinking Yuri Tillemans, middle of the park, knocking the ball around, Ricardo playing out wide on the right as the wing back rather than Albrighton, getting forward um, and having a lot of space to run into. Um, also, Castagna getting further forward than we've seen him in recent games, helping out that attack, and you've got Vardy running the channels, and then all of a sudden, who's in the middle? Who's getting on the end of things? Who's the quiet man in and around the penalty area? Just trying to find that bit of space, and it's Kalechi Iheanacho. And I can see uh, a senior man really... I can see him being the difference here. Um, Vardy is someone I'm looking for in a fantasy football scenario in the next few weeks. But I think this game, in that kind of that build-up as I've mentioned, um, I can see him being the person to to pick up the pieces really, um, to get on the end of a Vardy ball, to get on the end of a, a through ball from Yuri Tillemans. But I can see this game becoming, at times fairly stretched quite exciting as well I can see it being fairly end-to-end at points and a little bit of chaos thrown in I can see it being a slightly chaotic game and when you have that the ball all of a sudden drops to a man and it normally drops to the man in form and I think that's uh, that's the way I'm going to go so I'm going to go for uh, a Leicester win I'm going to go for I'm going to go for 2-1 um, I can see both teams scoring, but I'm going to go for 2-1. And uh, again, uh, Kelechi, the main man, to add to his 512 goals in the last four or five games. I think Leicester will go with the same formation. Uh, I think there'll be two changes. I think I can see Madison and Ricardo coming in to start against West Ham. And I think the fact that they came on 
for a decent chunk against Manchester City and hopefully came through unscathed will will provide Rodgers with enough confidence that he can start both of them. It's interesting the point about Albrighton and Ricardo down the right-hand side because Albrighton is technically the winger, yet I think Ricardo offers you more going forward and more defensively. And I would possibly lay a touch of the blame at Albrighton's feet for the Mendy goal for, for diving in. But at the same time, nobody really expected him to chop it back onto his right foot. But I think Ricardo gives he you... Ha- he has that, doesn't he, Rob? Sorry to interrupt. He, he really has that in his game. You you applaud his um, his willingness to close people down, that scampering attitude of Mark Albrighton. But he loves a dive-in. Who was the guy? That was a prime example. Absolutely right against Mendy. Um, by the way, Mendy was my go-to first goal scorer bet last season for Manchester City. At times, he was like 40 to 1, 45 to 1, in around the penalty area. Never scored. And he bags the first goal <laughs> against Leicester. I think that's the first time he scored the first goal. Typical. Um, who? What was the game It's com- when All Brighton did that recently and it cost a goal? I know exactly the one you're talking about because he did it sort of out towards the touchline, didn't he? Yes. And he got absolutely left on his backside and and, in, and we did concede a goal. I can't for the life of me remember where it was, but that's exactly what I thought when I saw him yes. um, turned inside by Mendy. But And, and you can say it, but w- would Ricardo have, have stood him up because he's got some more natural defensive instincts because he has been trained as a as a more of a fullback possibly i'm not i'm not saying that a straight swap there would have stopped the goal and and therefore changed the complexion of the game but but i think what the point i'm trying to make is the reason that i would justify starting ricardo overall brighton is because if you are as you say i th- i think this this well and it's almost certain that this game's going to be more open than um and Leicester are going to allow themselves to be more expansive than they were against Manchester City. So the person that you'd like in your team for that, particularly as there's a lot of onus on the legs of the wing backs to be getting up and down fairly quickly, you'd want Ricardo in your team over Mark or Brighton um nine times out of ten, this being one of those times. And the other change that you can make is Madison for Perez. And you say to Madison, look we're going to start this game on the front foot. We're going to take this game to them. We are going to make sure that they don't have any time or any room to settle because I think they're a very honest, hard-working side who now have the pressure off of them. Their objective this season will certainly have been to make sure they don't get relegated, to then think about position by position climbing up the league table. Uh, this is beyond their wildest dreams, so they're, they're playing with a little bit more freedom. So... I totally agree with you. Leicester have got to go and say, right, this this is how we're playing the game, West Ham. You're going to have to deal with us. We're not dealing with you. You are dealing with us. So start on the front foot with Madison. And then you say to him at halftime, how's the hip? And he'll say, yeah, fine. Or Rodgers will be looking to make sure that Madison's still occupying the right positions for the press. We've seen with Perez in particular, he's extremely diligent at, at filling in when we're out of possession to make sure that there are no gaps that need plugging. Because if you've already got two up top, then that number 10 position, he has to drop into a central midfield role. And, and a lot of the time recently, it's been a sort of left central midfield with Tielemans right central midfield and Ndidi holding. That's the sort of shape they've occupied out of possession. And if Rogers doesn't see that Madison can do that beyond an hour then he'd have to come off because it's such a crucial part of the game plan. It's not all about what he can offer going forward. So even if he plays an hour, 
you start with your strongest side and then Perez comes in, you know he's match sharp, you know he can make things happen and that's his best position, so you bring him on for the last half an hour regardless of the state of play. Those would be my two changes. I think you're right, the attitude has to be we're going to go out and, and make this our game. Um, this would, if the Manchester City game is in the back of their minds, this would be a way to stamp it out straight away and say, look, we can beat another team in the top four. Regardless of where you think West Ham are going to finish at the end of the season, right now they're a top four side. You've got to go and beat them. And I think Leicester will want to do that. I agree that there's going to be goals. I was going to go 2-1, but I don't want to copy you, so I'm going to go more ambitious and go 3-1. Exciting, exciting times, because as much as you look at the game and you think, well, you know, if they West Ham win or draw another... But you've got to look at the other thing. If Leicester go and win... It would really, really boost them for looking further forward to the FA Cup semi-final and then further forward than that from uh, looking at the games in the Premier League coming up after that. And um, and, and fingers crossed they get the result because that really would be a, a giant step forward. And, and, and in this race to the top four, um, we, we now really do look at the other teams as well. We're in that scenario where you do wait for the results and all of a sudden a late will at goal for Newcastle means that Spurs drop points. It's fantastic. You're sitting on a on a Saturday morning and you're laughing for 90 minutes at the calamity of Chelsea against West Brom. What was going on there? I mean, who would who would be so stupid to bring in Mendy, the goalkeeper for Chelsea, for their fancy team, and then they concede five against West Brom? But uh, it didn't matter. Um, I was cheering those, those goals as they went in. So it, we're in that scenario now. Uh, well and truly and uh, and yeah big game big 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 game and it was a big game at the weekend uh, not just for the Leicester City men's side but a big game for the women's side and it turned into a, a fairly routine I think it was a missed penalty earlier on but uh, a fairly routine 2 no win and it means that Leicester City women have won the championship which means they're now promoted to the WSL great news because even though I call them Leicester City women because it's technically the women's side, but they are under the banner of Leicester City. I think that's what we've got to really kind of ram home now. So they do play at Farley Wakehorn. They do train at Beaver Drive. That is their base. That is their training ground completely. Premier League facilities, etc. But it's under the banner of Leicester City Football Club. It's It's one club. So because next season... And and I was talking uh, in this actually the same conversation uh, I had yesterday, uh, and and it was all about along the lines of oh it's great because we can now go and watch the games at Farley Way if hopefully fans are are allowed in have a beer and be able to enjoy let's face it WSL football the top league Premier League for for example um, women's Super League football it's going to have so much publicity next year on the BBC, on Sky Sports as well. Um, so you really, that that you couldn't get a, a, a better deal. Who Leicester are going to sign in the postseason? No idea. I, I think if you look at uh, the way this team has progressed, it's got the hallmarks of what Leicester have done in the Premier League. Um, Jonathan Morgan's done a brilliant job. And now if you ask me right now, is he going to be the Leicester City manager uh, at the start, not of next season, okay. I think the season after, I would probably say no, because I think Leicester and the way 
that you can move through the ranks of the women's game better than you can um, in the men's game, saying that, look what we did. We got one season in the Premier League and then won it the next year. But I think that's the plan. The plan is get a foothold in the WSL. I think with a few signings, there's absolutely no problem uh, for this Leicester side to survive in the WSL and actually be relatively comfortable mid-table, mid-to-lower table. I don't think there's any problem with that. I think if they actually played in that league now with this team, they would finish fairly comfortably. Then you look at the bigger picture. You look at, again, the training ground. Um, you look at the club as a whole and you say to players, and you're talking to every player around the world, uh, the strongholds of the women's game, Australia, um, Holland, Germany, America, um, France, these these places where you might not sign two or three players. You could sign six, seven players, okay? And those six, seven players are first-team players. That's not unheard of at all in the women's game. In the Premier League, you might sign in the summer, what, two or three players who go into your first team, first game of the season, and you might sign a few youngsters. But in, in, in women's football... That might be the case. You might sign an arguably a, a virtually a brand new team. And I think that's the way Leicester are going to go. They're going to get a foothold in, sign a few players, but I can see them after a season in the WSL really kicking on and saying, look, we are a club to be reckoned with. You don't need to go down to Arsenal and see the facilities and play there because of that. Um, you can come to Leicester. It's better. You don't need to then go to Chelsea. At Manchester City, they're on a kind of a different level, really. But Leicester have it all there ready. bit like the men's team, fully enough. But they have it there in the women's game with socks on. So um, it's just a great thing. And I'm really looking forward to... Um, and obviously, I do a bit of work in the women's game. So I do like to kind of push it and this and the other. But also... I really want them to do well. But when I go and watch the games, am I going to be there as nervous as I am watching Leicester? Or am I going to be wanting them to win as much as I want Leicester men's team? No, I, that's not the case. I'm going to go there and have a few beers, have a laugh, enjoy the football, cheer on Leicester, want them to do well, but have a good time. Okay, That's the, what I want a lot of Leicester fans to do. Really fill out Farleyway. Really get get an atmosphere down there. And, and really boost the attendances up. But do it in a light-hearted way. Take family and this and the other. Enjoy it. And you never know. You might turn into a hardcore supporter. You know. And fantastic. But that's what I wanted what, what, what to happen. And, and they've done a brilliant. They've done absolutely brilliantly. And uh, I mean let's face it. They've absolutely walked the league. And uh, and yeah, more power to them. So I'm looking forward to that. Looking forward to all the exposure on the BBC and the and 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 Sky Sports again with Leicester uh, towards the forefront of it, uh, mainly on the back of what's happened with the men's side. But uh, it's just essentially it's a good story all round. There will be the odd person out there who won't like it. Okay, don't get me wrong. I've got a few really good mates who don't like it, okay, for whatever reason, and I don't know why, but some people don't. Now, if that is the case, I would just say I'm not bothered. You know, you you, you, you have that view, whatever, and they'll try and rile you with, oh, they want this money and it's not as good as that, an under-15 side could beat them. I could not care 
bless. I could not. You go and sit there and stew in your own horrible thoughts in the corner whilst I'm outside enjoying the game and having a good time. You know, you 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 moan that it's on the BBC on a Friday night, it's on BBC Two, the live game. Oh, it's rubbish. Yeah, you do that. I'll be sat there enjoying it. You know, cheering on Leicester. That's that will happen. That will happen. And just just ignore it because you're going to go down a, a rabbit hole where people are just not going to not going to like it. That will happen. I know it sounds a bit cynical, but it will happen generally with all this exposure uh, of next season. So uh, there we go. Little little rant over there at the end. <laughs> I I know where you're coming from, Pete, because um, I myself used to work in the women's game a, a lot of the time with you, and it's. You can. It is absolutely a hundred percent possible for you to enjoy a game of women's football just as much as you enjoy a game of men's football, even if all you've ever grown up watching, or all you've ever thought about, or kept tabs on is men's football. But you've got to do exactly what Pete's just saying there, and go and watch Leicester City women wherever they're playing next season, if they do stay at corner, if they move somewhere else. Um, and just enjoy the game. Enjoy watching a successful group of players representing the Leicester City Football Club family. Because that's exactly what it is. And, you know, Leicester, Leicester have done absolutely the right thing in, in bringing the women's team into the club. Some might say a few years too late, but you could say that about most of the professional clubs Um apart from a few that have really championed the women's game over the years. But, you know, they, they're they here now. They're absolutely part of the family. They have represented the club exceptionally well this season. First season as a professional, uh, fully professional outfit. 50 goals they've scored. They've won 12 league games in a row to to get to a point where they can't be caught at the uh, in the championship to get promotion to the WSL with a major covid breach in there as well we just have to kind of highlight that there was a, there was a massive bodge there by the way but but yeah football wise fine football wise uh, uh, on the pitch everything has been absolutely phenomenal and you've got to say that the king power as owners are very ambitious but pragmatically so because they've achieved an awful lot with the men's team and much of it I think will have been within the blueprint of what they were trying to build and wouldn't have come as as too much of a shock obviously to pretty much the entire world the the Premier League um, winning season was was a shock but what's followed in terms of now what looks like a really stable strong position as a team that can regularly compete for Champions League football in the Premier League that that was in the King Power blueprint when they first took over and they wouldn't have just said oh let's chuck a little bit of money at the the women's team let them train at Beaver Drive and see what happens there will be a full-on business plan to go alongside the football plan with this because we know that our owners are meticulous in that sense uh, and they're very thoughtful and they they're very considerate and they, they care an awful lot about what's happening so probably when they took over they will have been thinking especially as you just said there Pete it's in in some ways if you get the infrastructure right it's it's easier to move through the divisions of women's football in this country at the moment than it would be in men's so 
they might have a short, maybe three, four year plan for Leicester City to be competing in the Champions League, which when you consider the exponential growth of women's football and the exposure that that brings, if you're looking at it from a business point of view, that that brings to the club and to the, the King Power brand, then that's ideal for them. It would be great for the team. I think exactly the same as as you, Pete. The manager will be in charge next season because you maintain your momentum there. You bring in a good, strong handful of WSL savvy players to complement the squad that already exists. You make sure that you're competitive in the WSL, um, even if that's just a sort of strong mid-table showing. And then as you're looking forward... Leicester City is a remarkably attractive club for any professional women's footballer at the moment. So I don't think they'll have a trouble recruiting the right kind of players to kick on and achieve a a Champions League ambition within the next few years. How great would that be to Leicester City sides regularly pushing for Champions League football? be absolutely brilliant. Yeah, it would be. And... Um... And hopefully everything goes well over the summer, and and yeah, we can all uh, we can all enjoy that next year and see the fixed list, and you're going to get the Chelsea's, the Man City's, the Arsenal's down uh, again. Farley way, whether they move, I can't see any reason why they would move to Beaver Drive. I can't see there's there being a, a essentially a facility at Beaver Drive where you could have thousands of supporters, for example. Um, Farley Way, I I think they will stay there for at least the next season, uh, depending on what happens then after that. Whether they end up playing maybe down at uh, at the the men's training ground, who knows? I don't. I mean, thinking off the top of my head, not entirely sure. But you need a facility for for supporters, and and I don't know what sort of numbers you would expect, but I can't see any reason why when the big sides turn up. And Leicester City men's side are not playing because that's going to obviously um, really hinder the attendance as it does with all WSL clubs. Um, just naturally it will. Uh, but I can't see any reason why four figures aren't um, aren't a real aim for, especially if it's if it's marketed well. And it will be everywhere and it really will be. Um, but I'm talking from a football club's point of view. Um, you get the fixture list etc with your season tickets with your memberships all that sort of thing but also you get the women's as well I'm not saying you get entry but if they want to kind of align the two why not you know if you get a season ticket at KP then do you get free entry into Farley Way or do you get half price do you get something to entice you do you get a free kids ticket if you're an paying adult at the king power do you get a couple of free kids tickets to go and watch the wsl so you pay to get in for yourself and you can take a couple of kids for free i can't see any reason why not and who knows it could absolutely take off you know it really could and hopefully it does um and there might be a few fans wearing the new kit now we don't know what the kit looks like this is this is one of those things rob right you've got uh, for years, in fact, probably one of the oldest since the internet has been around. Because of my age, Rob, I remember when the internet was a brand new thing and all that, and even before the internet. Imagine that. There was a world before the internet. Um, but I 
since it's been around, you've had transfer rumours galore, which we take with a bit of a pinch of salt, full enough actually. Um, one came through, as I mentioned earlier. Um, it was just regarding maybe Hamza Chowdhury going to Newcastle. Um, I think it's we all knew it was on the verge, and then all of a sudden it was a kind of a step back from the edge. We do need you play a couple of games, played really well, didn't he? And to kind of reaffirm his place in the squad and then in the summer we'll see what happens it looks like it's going to go through and and that was a just a message that uh you know the rumor is it's uh it, it's going to happen so i don't think hamza will be at the club uh, at the start of next year next season but uh back back to what i was saying so you've got transfer rumours, which we take with a bit of pinch of salt. There's one or two journalists, etc., who we kind of looked to. Uh, you've got John Percy, uh, Rob Dorsett, etc., associated with Leicester. I mentioned Jason Bourne, actually, as well. Again, uh, on his on his Twitter account, fairly decent when it comes to uh, Leicester rumours. Percy would be the main one. But there's so many out there that's just nonsense. So a lot of it's just complete gobbledygook. Just ignore it. Um there's also uh, things to do with football, which is just nonsense. Who's the better player? Um, stuff like Penal. If you're if you're on Twitter and if you're on um, social media, Penaldo stuff over the last few like months. What's that? It's just got garbage. It's just all nonsense. Uh, people scoring penalties and he's better than him and his record. Oh my god! You know, it's just. Uh, you know. But the one thing I enjoy, Rob. And I always will do. It doesn't matter what age I, I will be at. I, you know, it's kits, it's shirts, and there's a rumor of this is the new so and so shirt. I will, I will click on it. I will look at it because I like that. I like that, and it could be nonsense. This is the rumored new night deal with Leicester. This is, and it turns out it's nice. It's got, but I like that. I don't know. That's just a bit of the kid in me. A new, a new football shirt. And is is a, always exciting to me, um, especially when it's Leicester, um, and the rumor of so and so. And there was a, a leaked, apparently leaked, um, kit going round. It was the Leicester, probably away kit or third kit, and it was the um, the not a luminous green, but it was kind of a a, a very light turquoise green. Uh, with a kind of a checked pattern in in the background, uh, not too dissimilar to the home shirt of a, of was it last season, uh, where there was that kind of really faint kind of uh, thick checks. Now it's that colour that's been around for a few clubs. I, I tend to think New um, Newcastle had one, but mainly Liverpool. I think had an awakening like that, and it looked not everyone went a bit over the top. All the king power and the badges in black, etc. And everyone, oh, it's fantastic. Yeah, don't get me wrong, it looks okay, but um yeah, that could be uh, that could be interesting if people have seen that, but do you get excited about kits as much as me? I do. And I like to I like to see these these clever people on Photoshop. I know you're quite handy at Photoshop, but I want to know where to start with with still images, but I think it's it's interesting to imagine your team like Leicester playing in a kit like that. I don't, I don't want to sound like oh, get us back to the old days. But what I, what I don't enjoy so much um, is the fact that all kits now seem to be one year and that's it. Oh, oh because no. it 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 kind of loses its value, especially as you've got three of them now. Every team's going to release at least 
three different shirts, sometimes even four. Um, to have three new shirts per year at the price they're at now is made me sort of slightly less interested in the kits than I used to be before. But definitely growing up um, and and not having, like you say, not having the internet to to see things leaked and and seeing maybe the first um, showing of the kit, you might not even have seen it until um, until Leicester wore it. I think a few times they used to wear it on the last game of the season, didn't they? To to sort of almost advertise it in the best way possible to the most people at the time I love on that. the pitch. I love yeah, that when that it's happens. It's great. It's a really good way to look forward because for me, the last game of the season, usually for Leicester, there's not an awful lot riding on it. So you have the Birch doing his run and then you might have the players playing in next season's kit. So it's a kind of first look. That kind of stuff really enjoyed it. Or maybe you'd have to wait and see the first pictures of it in the in the Leicester Mercury. Imagine that having to actually look at a newspaper for some news. But I think now it's slightly less... I'm not disinterested in it, but I'm not as interested in it as I was maybe 10, 15 years ago because of the fact that they seem to keep churning them out and you can see them in these kind of formats, possible versions before they're officially released. But yeah, historically... Love the kit release. You're getting old, man. You're getting. Old. No, I'm. Th- I'm. I'm in my. Th- I'm well in my thirties now. I'm not even th- thirty-one at the weekend. I was for those of you that uh, are remotely interested. Um, it's. It's funny though the internet thing because I'm a. I'm a primary school teacher these days, and I teach eight to nine-year-olds. And when I tell them that when I was their age, we didn't have internet access in my house, they could not believe it. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's um. I- I completely agree with the, the the one year. I don't think any right-minded, unless you're just a kind of a, a, a full-scale lunatic fan who just, I want a new shirt every year just because you want that kind of new shirt vibe, then that's fine. Absolutely fine. You know, you're crackers, but you, you're a, you're a massive fan of the club. Fine. Um, but I just, I don't think any kind of right-thinking person would argue about having a two-year cycle. I think a two-year cycle would be perfect because it gives you... Poor Bruce. Good old Bruce, who won our competition. I've, hopefully, he's got the kit. I need to message him. I'll do that after we finish. I need to message him to say, has he got it? Because of um, uh, he's he's eventually got the kit because they've not got the, the, the burgundy one or the maroon one, officially, as it is. That's not going to be back in stock, as we mentioned last time. So it's it's all been a bit of a mess. Obvious reasons why, because the world's a mess at the moment. So... It's, it, but it is because that that maroon kit, even though I hated it at the start, um, it it really did, uh, it did really did grow on me. But you wouldn't really get it because you've got a new shirt coming out. So it's all, I'm sitting here with the new shirt. It's just it's it's in the room as I speak. The the blue shirt. It's really nice. Um, I like it. I was a bit funny enough. I was a bit wavy at the start, and then when I went to see it in the shop on about the third day. I actually really liked it. Put it on, and it's it's a really good fit. I like the fact that round the uh, the, the end of the sleeves, it's quite tight, and the and the and the collar goes up a little bit at the back. It, it was a really it's a really nice fit on you. So um, so I like the shirt. I like the blue shirt, and I've worn it obviously quite a lot this season. Why wouldn't you? Um, 
And I'm more than likely going to go and buy the new one when it comes out. It's just the way it is, isn't it? And uh, and, and there we go. But I can't see any reason why they can't be uh, can't be on a two year cycle. It won't happen. It will not happen again unless there is a law brought in. If there was a new law brought in uh, in the Premier League where they all decided it's going to be two years, then that's fine. Apart from that, it will just never happen. It used to be the case where it used to be two years. So your home shirt and your away shirt was two years. And then you'd have a, a third kit. And the third kit came out in those kind of um, middle years. So at the end of this season, you'd have like Leicester would have a new third kit. They'll play in the same blue shirt and maroon shirts as they did this season, for example. And then a new kit would come out, but it would just be like the third kit. And then the season after, it would be a new home. So there is that kind of still a new kit every year. But uh, I think we've spoken too much about kits. We've kind of really gone off topic. Now it's time, Rob, to talk about the Fantasy Football League in a very, I would say, uninspired Fantasy Football Week. More on that. First up, it's the top ten. Right then, top 10 of the for Fox 8 Podcast Fantasy Football League. In 10th place, Ben Melbourne with Vini Vidi Vardi, 1,887 points. Down into 9th, Jack Royal, Handbags and Mad Cags, 1,889 points. Up into 8th is John Almeida with Sagres United, 1,897 points. No change at 7, Gareth Bell, Bulldogs Forever, uh, 1,907 points. No change in 6th at Tyler Hunya with Team Lau, 1,909 points. Down into 5th with Max Magnusson, uh, Rav Saxon the team with 1,940 points. Up into 4th, Joe Healy, Les Dennis, 1,958 points. And the top three hasn't changed. Luke Taylor, Taylor made in third, 1,969 points. In second, Humza Yazdani, FC Mordor, at 1,970 points, so only one point further than Luke Taylor. And Sam Lau is out in front with 2,009 points. Uh, a good week for Sam at the top, 68 points. Uh, Humza with... 38, 60 points for Luke Taylor, so they have um, really squeezed up then second and third. Uh, looking further down, there's not a lot of change. It wasn't, um, there wasn't really any tremendously standout performances. You got what two goals for Harry Kane, so if you captain him, it would have been what 26 points. You've got um, Lingard as well. I got both players, neither were captained. I captained uh, Rafinha, uh, who got an assist, and I think he got a bonus point as well. Uh, so I am down in 20th place, 54 points, which isn't bad really. Anything over 50 points I think was was fairly acceptable. It wasn't uh, the biggest uh, week of all time. So I'm in 20th, 1,853 points. So I am uh, 34 points off the top 10 within striking distance. Still with a couple of cards up my sleeve, the bench boost and the triple captain. Rob Hayes. Yes, inching, inching back towards the top 100. I've moved up this week. Uh, I scored 47, which is slightly above average, but not quite above that 50-point mark that you said there would outline a a very reasonable week. Uh, 25 points outside the top 100. Now I'm in uh, 104th. 
exactly the same as you. I had Lingard and Kane both in my team, didn't captain either of them. Went for Calvert-Lewin, who did absolutely nothing bar play 90 minutes. Um, so if I had a captain Lingard or Kane, I might have uh, might have climbed another, well, having looked at it, probably would have climbed up one more place, possibly two. But I'm still clinging on to the fact that I am remarkably close to being inside the top 100, which doesn't sound like a large, like a high ambition but you know that means that i'd be putting 57 people behind me which is better than being last in it it is there's a double game week coming up for tottenham and then after that there is a game week where spurs and man city don't play because of their uh league cup final and i'd imagine a lot of people have uh at least one Spurs player, more than likely two. So most people have, say, Kane and Son or Kane and Bale. Some people have all three. Uh, I, for example, have Kane and Bale. And then when it comes to Man City, most people will be sitting on three Man City players, uh, the maximum. And, well, some people might then have six. If both of them aren't playing in one week, it's that's going to be a very interesting week in, I think it's three weeks' time. You've got Spurs with the double game week before, and then the week after they don't play so what do you do it's um a little bit of a of a conundrum um right that's about it uh have you got rob a selection for the grand national and the masters to be quite honest with you two sports that i'm not very knowledgeable about (laughs) at all so i'm gonna say no and no but you know your stuff so there's no point in me talking about it no i everyone everyone if if you have a bet on the golf, the Masters tends to be the one that people kind of go for. Um, there's a guy I'm, I've fancy this this uh, chap called Cameron Smith. He's uh, he, he finished uh, in the top five when it was in uh, in what November last year, and he's got a really good record. Loves it around uh, Augusta. I think you're going to get about forty to one each way. Why not? You're going to get eleven places with some firms, and when it comes to the national. It might sound incredibly boring, but there's the favourite is really short called a horse called Cloth Cap, and my 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 saying of it ticks every box. This horse ticks every single box going. It's well in. Um, but if you're going to have a go on the national, the biggest tip is don't put a bet on until the morning of the race. That's when you're going to get your biggest prizes. So if you're thinking about putting it on now, don't wait until Saturday morning. But uh, yeah, I think Cloth Cap. Um, and away from that, there is uh, looking further down, just trying to trying to think of one. Um, uh, Annabelle Fly has ran really well in Gold Cups in the past, and it didn't go to Cheltenham this year, and it's going to go straight to Aintree, so that at a decent price. Anyway, that's enough of that. Uh, hopefully, when we're back next week, Rob, we'll be talking about a Leicester win. We'll be talking about uh, a 40 to 1 winning the Masters and Annabelle Fly winning the Grand National or maybe the favourite cloth cap. So if you can sort all them out, it will be great. Uh, maybe even a 2 1 and a 3 1. And we might even know what the new kit looks like. Who knows? But uh, that's it for the podcast. Any questions or any points you want made, then get in contact. Social media is the way at FFS Pod 
on Twitter and you can find us on Facebook. Just give us a like or you can send us any messages on there. Uh, for fox8podcast at gmail.com is the email address. That will come straight through to us. And again, any questions you want answering on the pod, we don't have to read your name out if you don't want that. Uh, any uh, pointers to the pod, anything you want to, to change, anything you want to add, anything you like, anything you don't like, whatever. Just send it through and we'll be back next week talking about uh, the game against West Ham and then previewing, Rob, is it uh, the semi-final afterwards? Some some small game coming up, yeah. The road to the top four and the road to Wembley. Yes, in the next couple of weeks. Fingers crossed for a good win on Sunday. Mm-hmm.